man, it is so good to be back. Oh, yes, indeedy. Well, how about as we're waiting for some people to join in, why don't you tell them what we had for dinner tonight? We had, we went to, we, I gave Bruce two choices. Yep. Mexican or Italian. Yep. And he chose Italian. He did. So we went to Salvatore's. If you have been to Salvatore's, let us know in the chat. Yes. It is a very. <laughs> All one of you who are there. <laughs> hey, Riz. Good to see you, babe. I don't, I don't think Grandpa, Grandpa Roy good has to see been, you. been to Salvatore's. Grandpa Roy. It's I don't a long think, haul for him. Is it just a local yeah, it's chain? Local. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is a chain that has been in Fort Wayne for a while. A little while. But they just put a new location about a mile from the church. Yep. Um, less than a year ago, right? Correct. It was the summer. Opened okay, up. so over the summer, and we went, you and I, a couple months ago to plan the football season for C3 Sports. So that was right when it opened, like yeah. that first weekend. Yeah. And I got like the chicken Alfredo. It was okay. Tonight, oh yeah, I tried what you got. All because of Craig Morvick. All because of Craig, Craig Morvick. Ordered this last time we were there, and I looked at it, and I and he gave me a bite, and I said, "Oh yeah, that's it." Yep. And it, so we ordered the Maria. It's called the Maria. The Maria. It's um. So if you've seen those those Papa John's commercials, <laughs> really excited about this. I, they were so good. If you've seen those Papa John's commercials with the Papadillas, are you really are you really comparing this to Papa John's? It's like that one time we had Noble Romans no and, and you I compared, compared it to, it to Little, Little Caesars. Caesars. Okay, but it's basically the Maria is a flatbread sandwich. So it had like sausage and and cheese, sausage and, and some pepperoni in it, salami and, and some salami and some ham and pepperoni. Oh, it was so it good, was amazing. So that's it what we had good. for dinner. Um, but hey, let us know in the chat if you are here. Uh, we've got eight viewers right now. We're gonna get started at eight oh. Three, so about one more minute. We just like to give some people to hang out with us. John Wall, good evening, gentlemen. Good to see you, oh, John. John's here. John, you your your hey, Bears John, play tonight. Yeah, John, you can't win anything tonight, by the way. Yep, John. And even you, if we're playing a game, you probably wouldn't win anything anyway. But that's another story. And the Bears certainly. <laughs> the Bears certainly bless their heart. Tonight. They play tonight. Michaela, good to see you. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Um, if you do like football. Tonight has the opportunity to be as top bad as last, last, last Thursday game. night's football game. That was brutal. Oh, man. Hey, it's 8.03. We've got eight viewers. You want to get started? Let's go. Hey, welcome, everybody, to Generationally Speaking. My name is Brad, lead pastor at Crossbridge. I forgot the name of the church for a while. <laughs> it's been a long night. He never ceases and this to right amaze here me. here is Jordan Chitwood, our online pastor and also one of our teaching pastors. So there you go. I don't even have to say you never cease to amaze me. I can just say you never amaze me. <laughs> you never amaze me. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it is uh, season four, episode two of the podcast, where tonight... Oh, I was supposed to say that, too. You I did, did, but you dropped the ball. I you did. dropped the gall. Mm-hmm. That's what you said. <laughs> you dropped the gallbladder. So, mm-hmm. hey, uh, episode one, we talked about generational response toward Roe v. Wade being overturned. Tonight, we are going to be talking about another touchy subject. Oh, my gosh. I... I Start off the season with two of these topics. I mean, honestly, this one tonight could make some heads explode. It could. Yeah. I hope it makes yours explode. (laughs) That'd be really fun to see. Uh, Tonight, we are kind of walking through the question, are there contradictions in the Bible? Okay. Mm -hmm. That's going to be kind of the overarching theme. If so, what to do with those contradictions and those inconsistencies? Yeah. Uh, And the reason being, and this is part of what I, I made a post about and as we were doing some of the promotion, is because um, the approach to the Bible or how the Bible is viewed in regards to contradictions and consistencies or inconsistencies is one of the biggest reasons why millennials and Gen Z are skeptical Absolutely. of God as a whole. Yeah. And, and so that's what we're going to talk about yeah, tonight. And, and it's something that the other generations, the Gen Xers and the 
and the boomers have mm-hmm. to realize and understand and start thinking about approaches of how we deal with that. Yes. And it doesn't, honestly, we haven't done a very good job of that. Sure. So, yeah. Sure. Um, Michaela asks, is that a Dairy Queen cup in the background? No. Yes. Oh, you, you <laughs> I wondered who was going to be the That's our sponsor for tonight. We, so, I don't know if you, Michaela, you were here earlier, but we were talking about where we went to dinner. After dinner, of course, we went to Dairy Queen. And, and Brad our, bought me and Bruce blizzards. I did. There yep. you go. So, uh, hey, hold it. Bruce hasn't said anything. Is Bruce hooked up? Bruce is also here. I am here. <laughs> Bruce man, is also here. Man of wor- many words. He is a man of many words. There you go. But hey, we're excited about tonight. And here's the thing: here, especially when we talk about the Word of God, as, as we talk of the Bible, we need to approach this conversation really humbly. Yeah. And, and I think that's so important that we're going to address this topic through our pastoral lens and our generational lens. But we also want to approach it through a humble positioning. Right. And that is part of what I think I would say all generations and all Christians often forget. (laughs) Especially lately. Especially lately is we treat the word of God as a a quotation system or a citation system where we just like, you know, I'm just going to pull out verse after verse after verse. And 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 that's not kind of what that's not what we're trying to do here tonight. What we're trying to do here tonight is to have this conversation why are younger generations skeptical of the word of God, right. of the Bible? Um, but then also, is there some validity to that skepticism? And if so, what do we do with that skepticism? What do we do with uh, the con- contradictions or the inconsistencies? John Wall says you shouldn't wear hats in church, especially cowboys' hats. Uh, hey, everyone's safe here. This is a safe place, especially my four-in-one cowboys. Thank you very much. Um, so, hey, uh, Brad, how about to start off our conversation? You walk us through. Um, actually, Bruce is just on my camera angle, and he's fixing one. So I'm going to walk us through. I'm going to start sharing some generational data from Pew, Pew Research Center because if you're talking, they're just going to be looking at me. Well, you can just move your mouth, and I could talk. I, <laughs> not, not at the rate that you talk. No, that's <laughs> okay. true. Uh, so here, I'll, I'll, I'll share some of the data and yeah, then we'll go. go back and forth. Um, this is generational data from Pew Research Center in regards to how different generations approach the word of God. Okay. And so the silent generation, which is uh, the parents of the boomers, 39% take the Bible literally word for word. 26% believe the Bible is the word of God, but should not be taken literally. And 23% of silent generation folks do not believe the Bible is the word of God. How about you share the boomers? The boomers, 35% take the Bible literally word for word. 26 believe the Bible is the word of God, but should not be taken literally. And 29% do not believe the Bible is the word of God. There you go. I'll read Gen X. 32% of Gen Xers take the Bible literally word for word. 27% believe the Bible is the word of God, but should not be taken literally word for word. And 33% of Gen Xers do not believe the Bible is the word of God. And then the millennials. Good old millennials. 22% take the Bible literally word for word. 28% believe the Bible is the word of God, but should not be taken literally. 43% do not believe the Bible is the word of God. And I think, interestingly, if you walk through each one of those and you see those, they, it just starts going down a little bit at a time, yep. each generation. And now we got Gen Z coming up. It'd yep. be fascinating to see what, what those were. Yeah, and I tried to find data on and Gen Z with that. Soon. Couldn't find any data on that. What I did find, though, is this idea of holding a biblical worldview, Yeah. which um, is defined a little bit differently. Biblical worldview is holding the Bible as authoritative word of God, but then also has to deal with 
church attendance and giving. It's kind of just like all like how well do you live out the Bible? Right. And Gen Z, four uh, percent of Gen Zers have a biblical worldview, which sounds like a very low number, but only ten percent of boomers did. So the range was between four to ten percent of the whole world. So it, it it wasn't the same idea and the same data. It just though went to show that the Gen Z you know, once again, had the lowest, you know, view of something that we're right. discussing tonight. Right. Uh, on top of all of that Pew Research data, something else that I did was I asked our Facebook campus um, kind of the question. Yeah. What do you believe that there are biblical, there are contradictions in the Bible? I yep. asked our Facebook campus that, I asked our Instagram that, and then I asked my personal Twitter following that. Uh-huh. Uh, our Facebook campus, we got 29 votes, and this was just a poll that I put out today, and so if you missed it, I apologize. You can go back and vote. 51 to 52% from the last time I checked of the 29 votes said that they do believe there are contradictions in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So uh, about half. So about half. 42% said that there are not contradictions in the Bible, or they do not believe there are. And 9% said they didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instagram, there were about seven votes. Four said, yes, there are contradictions. Three said no. And then my personal Twitter got 19 votes. Uh, 12 said, no, there are not contradictions in the Bible. Four said, yes, there are. And two said, I don't know. Wow. And so that those poll questions are directly related to our conversation for tonight, which begs us to ask the question, Brad, Okay, are there contradictions and inconsistencies in the Bible? You know, I think it would be good also, when you say contradiction, mm-hmm. I think people have a different, and again, it's, it, we go back to mm-hmm. what's happening a lot in our culture right now, is you have to define the word that define you're talking it. about, yep. no matter what you are. So what would you say, what would your definition of contradiction be? In regards to this, when one verse says something that another verse says either the opposite of or something different of. Correct. Okay? Okay. Um, and so... Yes. Does that answer your question? Yeah, because I think some people would argue, well, it's, you know, we well, can explain it away, so that's not a contradiction. Sure. And, sure. you know, we had a lot of conversation today about explaining yep. things away because I think that's what happens a lot. Yep. But, again, and that's a mindset of, of someone who is a believer, who are a follower of Jesus, um, has a high regard of the Bible, but, again, not necessarily understanding what the other generations are seeing. Exactly. You know, and, and not understanding, okay, yeah, they're reading this, and there's a contradiction because I would tell you there's definitely contradictions in Scripture. Mm-hmm. That's the stance I would take, too. Yes. And let's read some of them. Yeah, um, let's just go there. Okay, let's just give you a few examples of where we see a verse saying one thing in one part of the Bible, a verse saying a completely different thing on the same topic in another part of the Bible. Uh, first example, you want me to read the first one? Sure. Okay, so this is the first one uh, dealing with... Um, Seeing God face to face. Okay, so first example, Genesis thirty two thirty says this. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, "It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared." So Jacob says, "Hey, I saw God face to face. That's in the Old but yet Testament." I lived. Okay, but yet I lived. Then you go to the contradiction, John chapter one verse eighteen. This is in the New Testament. John writes this: No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, Jesus Christ, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made himself known. Right. So you've got one verse that says, I've seen God. I've seen God. I'm Jake. I've seen God face to face. You've got John that says, hey, no, nobody has exactly. seen God face to face. Why don't you read the second example? Yeah, and this is, this is an interesting one because I actually taught on this passage just this last weekend. Yes, you did. Yes. Uh, 2 Samuel uh, 24, and it's actually verse 1. I started teaching from verse 2. 
purposely because of this verse. And then we're talking about it tonight. <laughs> here we are talking. I thought it was fascinating. So, Second so Samuel verse twenty-four, or no, chapter twenty-four. Again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and He incited David against them, saying, "Go and take a census of Israel and Judah." And almost every translation has this in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, every translation I could find has that wording in it, no okay. matter what translation there was. Okay, cool. And so even from the, the original uh, translation, it was obvious that this is exactly what, what it said. Okay, sure. Here's the contradiction, actually, in First Chronicles chapter 21. Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census. Yep. So in Samuel, we have, which is the earlier... Uh, ver- Ran before Chronicles. Right. Um said that, that it was God who, who, who told, told David. David to go do that. And then in Chronicles, it says that it was Satan who, who told that. David. Yep. So once again, you've got these two competing ideas. One says, you know, God told David to go do the census. And I don't know how much farther down yeah. the road later, the same topic, same event says that same to him. All right, here's the, here's uh, the third example. Um, and this is something as a teaching pastor is one of the hardest things to do. <laughs> yes. Is preaching... During Holy Week, Holy Week is the week leading up to Easter, okay? If you try to have an event, whether it's seven days, 24, all the way from Palm Sunday, the four different gospel writers have a different order of events and even details of the events of what happened during that week. It is impossible. This actually happened because we tried to do a week-long Holy Week series. Holy Week series, and we were going to do something every night and and try to piece together the actual events of, of that whole what week. What day they happen. And it was nearly impossible. Scholars don't completely agree on what day exactly. everything happened. And I actually, I, I actually researched it again today just to kind of check and try to figure it out. And if you actually do some research and go day by day, go to the tomb, who's there first, who enters the first, how, who, what angels they see, how many people are there. All totally different. All four have different examples of who it, were at the cross. It's wild. Of names of people that were at the cross, names of people that were at the tomb. Yeah. Um, even just going into Palm Sunday when Jesus is like, hey, you know, two of the gospel writers say that Jesus says to go, you're going to find a donkey and a colt. One of them just says you're only going to find a colt. One of them says you're only going to find a donkey. Like, if you and, try to piece together... And again, you know, some of that can be explained, you know, just because, okay, someone just left something out or what have sure. you, but, but there's actually some things that are total contradictions of who was there, what was there. Especially when you go to the tomb. Absolutely. Uh, Mary Magdalene is the only consistent person Correct. in all four Gospels. And then it's even different of, 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 the, of the circumstance of what has happened right. at that point. Right. So here's what I would be interested in uh, of the people who are, are watching. Um, have you heard of those before? What's your thoughts now of, okay, I I never I didn't realize that those, those contradictions were there, or yes, I was aware of that. I would just yep. be interested. Let us know in the chat if you've heard of those contradictions or inconsistencies. Um, here's something, too, to keep in mind is we just picked a few. Um, yeah. There's some scholars, atheists and biblical scholars, who there's some that say there's hundreds of contradictions and inconsistencies. There's some that I found that say there's up to a thousand Correct. of them. And there's some who say there's just very few or that there's none there's at all. None. Okay. Um, and one thing that I would say is there's really not any, I would argue there's no extremely major, like, like faith threatening to me contradiction. I was going to ask you that. So, so, and I'd like Bruce to chime in on that too, is what does that do? For you, as mm-hmm. far as as your your faith and, and believing scripture and mm-hmm. things like that, uh, 
and especially for me growing up, it was never an issue. But that's because I was always under the mindset that the Bible and I, under the belief I might get in trouble for this. Yeah, yeah. This, this is this is where I was going to get <laughs> dicey. Bruce is over here laughing. I wish you had a, a video. <laughs> for yeah. me personally, yeah, the Bible does not need to be perfect for me to believe in a perfect God. Okay. Not saying whether or not I believe it's perfect. All I'm saying is it does not need to be per- – my faith is not built on the foundation of the Bible, the perfect Bible. We're going to come back to that. Okay. Bruce, what, That's, what yep. do you say to that? Yeah, I have a lot of the same things because many, many years ago I went through Holy Week and had the same – because I was going to teach on it. And right. I was like, what What in the world? Like these don't <laughs> agree. Um, and I am to the place where I agree like some of it can be explained away by – Look, this is the inspired word of God, but it was still written down by people who have different perspectives, mm-hmm. who saw things different ways. It's no different than if you had four people watch the same event and then ask them individually to recall the event. Sure. They you're going to get different parts. And so that's okay to me. That's the humanist. There's there's no contradictions in the core of what we see in scripture that's important. Exactly. Right. If one of the gospel writers says, hey, Jesus didn't resurrect. Right. Like that's now one of the core. That's one of the core. Now now we have a a core contradiction. And and I love that because that's, to me, for me, I think it actually is more realistic. If all of them were agreed 100% on everything that happened, I'm thinking, okay, now hold it. Because, I mean, I, I listen to my wife on occasion. I hope she's not listening. Tell a story. <laughs> she doesn't listen to you. Yeah, that's true. On that's true. She's she not, she realizes even. you just speak but, nonsense. But she tells a story, and I'm thinking, okay, it's that's close, but that's not totally accurate. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I do the same thing. It's it's your perspective. So if every one of these guys would have seen and 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 was detailed perfectly, I would start saying, okay, I don't know if that is. I actually like that there's some differences. Yeah, it's yes. almost like okay, they all got together to make sure their story exactly. Was yeah. Exactly. So it doesn't. It, it same with me. It doesn't. Uh-huh. And, and I, here's I, where I think we have to be really careful. Okay. Is I, I think. Gr- growing up, it was taught to me that, the people or my understanding was that the people who were writing scripture were like put into a trance and that God was writing yes. for them. That's not. The and, case, and, and we're not going to go there tonight. But no, the inerrancy but, of Scripture, right? Inerrancy, know, and infallibility. What, what is, what is that, it's just what does that necessarily mean? And I think that could be an interesting conversation for another time. Yep, and we can talk about it another time. It's just that was the why for some people they hold that the Bible has to be perfect. Michaela says same. Uh, Grandpa Roy said right on. Bruce, he agrees the same ideas. And Michaela said it's uh, easy to uh, idolize uh, the Bible that, over that Jesus. Right there. Yeah, I don't know. If, yeah, that that Michaela I think is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think we're going to touch on that a little bit as idolizing scripture. But when I when I grew up, and I imagine Bruce had the same thing, I know Grandpa Roy would, is that the Bible says it, <laughs> I believe it, that settles it. We're, we're not going to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, no, don't tell me about anything that may be wrong with the Bible because if it shakes the Bible, then my whole faith falls apart. Right. And that's the that's, foundation for a lot of people. That's disappointing mm-hmm. because we have raised generations that as Michaela would say, idolizes the Bible, and I have high, high, high regard of Scripture. I don't want you not hear me hear you say that. I believe it is the Word of God, all that good stuff. But that is not the base of our, right. our, our beliefs. Right, and 
there's so many things when you study the Bible that not only was the Bible that we have not compiled for 300 years after the Afterwards. life of Jesus, but we don't have access to the original manuscripts anymore. No. Those are disintegrated. They were written on material that no longer exists. It's it's poop. We don't have access to the original text. That's why there's so many translations because there's been so many copies after copies after copies right. in different languages. And that's what some people actually say. Well, in the original text, and there's no absolutely no contradictions. I and that's one of the approaches, right? It's <laughs> like, but if we're a thousand we're a thousand translations in with English, trying to understand the Hebrew and Greek in a Greco-Roman culture and then in a Byzantine culture, like there's so much difference then that for us to think that our English translation is a hundred percent perfect is just arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's honestly terrifying. That's when it get, becomes scary. Yeah. And, and again, you know, we, we honor the scripture, we honor the word of God, but it, it cannot become the foundation of our faith. Mm-hmm. Does it point to the foundation of our faith? Absolutely. So, what is the foundation of our the faith? Foundation of the foundation of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus. Yep. You know, Paul says it in the scripture. That's that's where we can go back to. You know, we can use scripture for that, but we've turned it all around. First or Second Corinthians. Yeah, I where, think. where he says that if, if Jesus doesn't, everything that you believe is mm-hmm. is is for nothing. You know, if Some, it's not for the resurrection of Jesus, that's what. We, and what we've done is we've taken we've taken. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to get so excited. Um, You're okay. We've, ta- we've, You're taken, okay. we've taken the Bible, and we keep telling these generations that, oh, it's about the Bible, it's about the Bible, it's about the Bible. No, it's not. It's about the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that's going to save us. If it's about the Bible, then there are a lot of people in different countries who don't have access to the Bible. They're screwed. Yeah. Let's just I, say it how it is. I would say it's not about the Bible. It's about... <laughs> the God behind the Bible. Absolutely. The Bible is right. just the tool right. that describes and points us to who God is and who Jesus was. And the Bible isn't the only tool that does that. That's true. That's something I was studying today is you've got the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. okay? You've got prayer. You've got community. You've got church. You've got worship. Uh, the Bible is an incredible thing and is the word of God. And I believe that with all my heart and I humbly approach the text and it is alive and active, sharper than any two edged sword in my faith. If I, if I woke up tomorrow and there was some more contradictions that came out or were found in the Bible or there's archeological evidence that proved that something didn't happen. Isaiah, the prophet of Isaiah was a, a fluke and was written in the 1400s. Yeah. Okay. That would not shatter my faith. Exactly. That would not and, shatter my faith. And that's what faith. happens when, when you put so much emphasis on the Bible is the center of your faith. Once you start taking those building blocks out of there, then your whole faith falls apart. Right. And that's what's scary and, is and, because and, there's, there's people that I'm close with and friends that, um, especially growing up in college, okay, in, in an era of deconstruction, which we've done an entire podcast episode on. And we're going to um, do a teaching on. And we're going to do a teaching on in a couple weeks. But that some of those core beliefs of who Jesus was started to be stripped away at college when they started studying, like, oh, like, this is what really happens. Like, Jesus is for the marginalized, and Jesus was for poverty. Like, and it just wrecked them. Yeah. Completely wrecked them. Oh, you mean Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says that God knows the plans I have for you and everyone's got that on their shirts and on their walls. Yeah. And like, you mean that shouldn't be a great life first because in Jeremiah 29, 10, it says there's going to be 70 years of suffering 
before verse 11 where yeah. you get to the plans that God has. Yeah. Like, that's a terrible life verse when you think about it. I've got to wait 70 years. And, and man, the Bible is so incredible. And we learn from it. We live from we it. Teach we from teach it every from week. it. And it's it, important, though, it, that we it, approach it, it humbly. But it points us to the, the our cornerstone it, of our faith. It needs to. Absolutely. And it, it needs to. And honestly, I would argue that it proves yeah. the cornerstone of our faith. Yeah. But it in itself is not the thing that we base yep. our faith yep. on. Yep. And and like I mentioned at the beginning, too many people use the Bible as a citation machine. Yeah. Is that they go to it, they pull from it, they rip from it. Um, again, you you could easily explain away some most of the contradictions. You could. Okay. The point of this message isn't whether or not you need to believe that there are contradictions. The point of this message is whether or not there are contradictions, where's your foundation? Right. We want to encourage you. If you don't believe there's contradictions in the Bible, that's incredible. Okay. That I I I would have a hard time like Figuring out how you, you know, got there, got there, because there's a lot of examples. Um, but I'd love to have a conversation about to hear your perspective. But I will be more concerned with contradiction or not. If you don't believe there are contradictions, if you come to the terms with down the road that there are contradictions, is your faith going to be shattered because of it? Correct. I want to make sure that you have the foundation of Jesus Christ first. Yeah, and see, and I think that's, you know, the generation thing, uh, you know, our generation, my generation, um, has been so Bible focused that when we hear people and and I can remember back in the day, you know, you start questioning anything and people would freak out. Right. And, sure. and no, you you don't ask those kind of questions. Sure. And that's what started driving some of these other generations farther and farther away. And then they would come up and say, "Well, no, there are some contradictions here in the Scripture." And no, there's not. There can't be. You know, mm-hmm. because if mm-hmm. there's a contradiction in the Scripture that we believe, then all of a sudden our faith is is useless. Mm-hmm. That's not. Correct. Here, I'll tell you what. Millennials have a harder time listening to you when you try to argue that there are not contradictions Correct. than when you admit that there are. Yeah. Like, you lo- you're not winning over millennials and Gen Zers by trying to ignore some of these inconsistencies. You don't, you don't have to prove the Bible. Right. We, we, we go and we try to prove the Bible. We try to, it, we try to argue our way. Because, again, and that's partly because that's our foundation. Yeah. Or that's someone's foundation building block. Yep. Yeah, I remember having a conversation with my dad. This is in my first book, hashtag ad. It's on Amazon for $7.99. Shattered windows and pointless dreams. You can go check it out and help boost my sales. Anyway, I remember having a conversation with my so father. you can make another 22 cents. So I can make another 22 cents off that Amazon, uh, off that Amazon whatever. Yeah, I'm not buying you any more blizzards. Yep, yep. Now you're going to need me. Yeah, yeah. I need to sell about 20 books to be able to get to one small blizzard. So... Anyway, I remember having a conversation with my dad. I asked him the question. I said, Dad, is the entire Bible true, and how do we know it's true? And he said, and, and I would love to have conversations with him now because I think he's, he would have grown so much in just you know where we are today. But he said, yeah, I believe the entire Bible is true, and I don't know what we would do if it wasn't. And that stuck with me. I mean, this was, again, this was probably 20 years ago. I was, I was in first or second grade when I asked him this question. And, and for most of us, 20 years ago, that might have been our stance. I right. don't know about you, Bruce, but I know— Well, okay, let me— Because you know, so, Bruce, Bruce and I just both bristled by yes, something you said. okay. That's that's a trigger point when you just yeah. said true. Sure. Because I 100% believe it's true. Uh-huh. That doesn't mean there aren't contradictions. Correct. So then I would say, how do you have contradictions with both of them being true? Because the principles are true, even if there are things in there 
that contradict themselves because of whatever reason, translations, perspective, whatever it might be, it doesn't change the fact that the principles in there are true. Principles, sure. So, but if you're looking, let's take example, the approach to the tomb. Okay, you have different people showing mm-hmm. up at the tomb. Only one of them is right, or none of them are right. Or none of them, right. So that means that but the others prin- are untrue. So for me, the principle is, but they showed up to the tomb and it was empty. Right. The sure. details to me. Bottom line. Exactly. Sure. The bottom line can be true. Correct. And that's that's where I think that, we may so lose people. Now, yeah. now you're saying in a specific instance, I mean, there, there yes. may be an untruth in Scripture. Yes, that is what I'm but referencing. But that does not make the story Untrue. Absolutely, and yes. That, and that's, see, that's, yes. that's what made, because I had the same bristling that okay. <laughs> Bruce had there. Fascinating, and, yeah. And so, and see, again, but again, that's just a generational thing where, and, and to me. A, and that's a terminology thing. Yep. You know, and. Terminology thing, but even like, even like for people my age and younger, like, they don't get hung up on some of those things, even right. if there is a disagreement in terminology. Like, I think younger people, I think for me, not all younger people on different issues, but. The the concept when it comes to the Bible, for some reason, younger and older, the agree to disagree doesn't seem to work very well. Okay. I see young people being willing to have be a more conservative Christian and or more of a liberal Christian and still be friends and be okay with it. I have a hard time. There's people who have a hard time with me and some of my views who are older and some of their views and say, mm, you can't agree to disagree on that. Does that make sense? That was that was Dairy Queen right there. Um, excuse me. <laughs> um, that was an awkward pause. It was an awkward <laughs> pause right there. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I I see most older people, and this again, this might just be my perception. Okay. Most older people saying, "Agree to disagree" is an option. This is the right way or the wrong way. When it comes to different theological things. But you see, and and maybe my mind is just. But let's take the the empty tomb, the the story of, the, of going to the tomb. Who got there first? And things. See, mm-hmm. you can't square all of those things. But the the basis of the story, the theological thing that Jesus had had risen, right, is still there. Right. So we still agree. Right. But I'm not going to tell you. You're not a typical boomer, though. That is correct. I am not. And that's part of what I'm saying is like. My experience with most people, part of older generations, would say, well, I mean, even the statistics would say, I don't know if anyone's even thought about the tomb having different approaches with different right, people and right. stuff. It's fascinating because people who answered like, hey, there are no contradictions in the Bible. I'd love for them well, to if, explain to me about the tomb then. You know, we even go, we even go to the scripture that I skipped this, this last week because I didn't want to get into the controversy right. uh, of God telling I said Moses, God telling David to go take a census. He goes and takes a census, mm-hmm. and then he realizes that at the end of this whole thing that, that, oh, my gosh, I've sinned against God. Right. Well, how does that work? Right. God told me to do something, and I actually had someone, one of our elders, pull me aside and say, and very kindly said, hey, I just need to understand this, you right. know, because I know you studied it, so, so what's the deal here? And again, you go to First Chronicles. Which is, I, if I remember correctly, about 300 years later. I was later, wondering, I, I knew it was a couple centuries I, I think thought. it's 300 or 400 years, I, and I could be off on that, but as I recall, difference is we've got a, somebody writing this story, understanding it in a different way than what now we have access is that, oh, right. God couldn't possibly do this. Now Chronicles rewrites it in a totally different way. Right. That is an obvious contradiction. Right. That, I mean, it, that's about as light in days you get. It doesn't change the story to me. 
Right. We're talking about, unless you're thinking that, you know, like you said, God put him in a trance and he wrote down everything that what is. We've got human beings inspired by God, and, and we're going to, oh man, we're getting off on a <laughs> tangent here if we're not careful. But it, you, you under, to me, it makes sense. Okay, now we have a little more, more knowledge. Sure. You can go back to Genesis. You know, we didn't even go to Genesis, where Genesis 1 has a different a creation, dip, creation story, story Genesis than Genesis 2. 2. Yeah, if you're unfamiliar, <laughs> Genesis 1 and 2, two different creation stories that take place, which is <laughs> yeah. fascinating. In different, different order. We didn't get to that. Yeah, we didn't uh, go there. And Michaela hits on a great point here. She says, I think a lot of young people, though, have been taught that if you can start to pull apart any part of the argument, the whole thing will eventually fall. Like, if this isn't true, then what else isn't true? Or if this part wasn't correct, then what else isn't but correct? But that goes back to... A word for word, it's got to be absolutely, oh, absolutely. The Bible is telling us a love story of how, how God has, re, has gone to, to humans right. and, and written this whole thing out. Right. And yeah, I it, think that it is. It's a, it's a story. Right. It's a, and it's a story that and, is redemptive. And to think of a redemptive God with imperfect humans being used to write this incredible story down. Yeah. Like that to me is the beauty of it. And the other thing. Yeah. I, I, yeah, absolutely. That God meets us in our imperfections. Right. And, and he does in a way that he relates to us. It's like, if you would go into a, a, a tribal nation that has never seen any other part of the world, you're not going to tell the same stories Right. That you know back here, you're going to, I don't want to say, dumb it down is a, is, a, is a terrible analogy, but you're, you're going to tell it in a way that they're going to understand. Right. It may not have all the detail. Same way with kids. You're going to tell. You mean in Judges, you're not going to talk to them about <laughs> chopping up the body yeah. and sending it to the different 12 yeah. tribes? You know, or, or when you're talking to your kids about even, you know, whatever, you're, you're not going to give them, you're going to talk to a, a, a six-year-old different than you're going to talk to a, right. a teenager. Right. And it's the same thing back in, in the first century or even before, the, back in Abraham. You're going to, to try to understand this infinite God that we can't understand. Mm-hmm. It's going to come across differently then than what it right. does, what we can now. Right. And like we said earlier, um, <clears throat> the beauty of the Bible is that it is God's word. And so we are supposed to approach the text in the most humble way. And if you ask yourself, like, what you believed 20 years ago, my hope is not just about the Bible, but about faith, about God. My hope is that, like, you've grown in 20 years. If you haven't grown, then you're not you're not putting an effort into your relationship. And so the things you believe about the Bible now and about certain verses and interpretations, expect yourself to grow in 5, 10, 20 years from now. Yeah, it's, it's it doesn't necessarily, you know, again, even just like that, it's like, were you wrong 20 years ago? Maybe in some of those things, or maybe your idea of that scripture was just expanded and you were, you gained some more experience. Like there's also some of that where you look at different texts that say different things and your understanding of it. Like you have to give, you have to allow yourself room to grow and be expansive in this knowledge. If you are saying, the Bible is what it is. A hundred percent literally needs to be taken word for word. You're not giving yourself any room to grow and allow God to work in you. You're making heads explode everywhere. I probably am. <laughs> but but my hope is yeah. for all of those literal readers right. is that they're saying, you know what? If you're going to read the Bible word for word, 
all of you need to cut off your left hand right now. Yep. You're going to be walking out of live patches. You got your <laughs> eyes need to be gouged out and sinners. Is allow God to work in What's the, the story Holy that he's trying to tell you so that you can become more like Jesus every day? Right. Who is, I don't know if we've mentioned this or not, is the foundation of our faith. Right. The resurrected Christ. Right. Which, again, can be done because the principles don't change. Correct. Right? I think, again, for my generations and older, that's the scary part is they'll keep coming back to, but then you're just saying it can mean whatever it was. No, no. that's not what we're saying. Not at all. But what we're saying is when you're when you quote the scripture of um, it's growing, it's living, growing things change. Mm-hmm. So your interpretation and understanding of it should change. Not because the principles change, but because there's a new depth of understanding right. of what those things are. That's good. And those are two different things. Right. And the principles are there. They're absolute. Those don't change. Um, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, Scripture says, is to illuminate new things to right. us. Yep. It's not a stale... If it's just going to be a... All there is is the words on the page, and it's just a a written down list of things that we're supposed to have knowledge of, then we're no different than the Pharisees. Right. Exactly. It, that's, that's good. It's Bruce. a different thing than that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So crickets in the, in the chat. That's today. okay. <laughs> that's okay. This is one of those. And, but even the comments were saying, Hey, I didn't even know some of those. Inconsistencies. And, and I think that's more, I think that's probably more the case of anything is mm-hmm. I've never thought about this before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and our hope and what we've said again, our goal isn't to convince you one no, way or the other. Not at all. We shared our we rarely on this podcast do we share our personal opinion. Yeah. We both shared that we do believe that there are contradictions right. in the Bible. Those contradictions don't shatter our faith, no. don't have anything to do with our faith. Zero. Um but or that wasn't our goal. Okay. We can disagree on that. And again, like to me, agree to disagree. That's like that. I'm not gonna try to convince you one way or the other. Our goal of this was to say in spite of whether you believe or don't believe, the foundation still needs to be Jesus Christ. Right. Okay. That that is a core belief of this church, of Paul, of <laughs> the disciples. Like the disciples didn't have the Bible that they were carrying around. They had some scrolls. I mean, Peter was walking with some scrolls that all Old Testament didn't have New Testament. They had some letters circulating. Okay, but they were walking around with the belief that Jesus is King. And that's why they were planning churches. And, and that's and that's you know you, you, we hear all the time you people say well we just got to be the Acts Acts two church Acts two that's, church that's correct and you know what they didn't have the Bible they didn't have the Bible they loved they had Jesus they, had, they, they loved had a they resurrected served. Jesus they saw and it changed everything for them yep and, and they gave generously it's the same thing that changes us today is the resurrected Jesus and how we love and take care of others yep so here's what we're gonna do we want to give you two next steps okay two next steps that I think are so important. Um, when you're studying the Bible, because like we said, we believe, uh, Crossbridge's stance is that we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Like that, it, we love, we love, 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 and have such a high respect, and it is trustworthy and the only authoritative word of God. That, that is what we believe. You can find the exact stance on our website. Uh, you know, it's, it's worded much more fluently than that. Okay, <laughs> that's our stance. We, have, we hold it to the highest regards. Here's two next steps. First one is this, okay? And this is something to encourage your kids to do to encourage yourself to do any time that you approach the word of God, spend time in the Bible, 
Okay. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer. Psalm 119, 18. I believe Bruce might have it on the screen. Okay. Psalm 119, 18. Pray this prayer. This is, this is, um, such a beautiful piece of scripture that I've started praying when I spend time with God, God, open my eyes so that I may see the wonderful things in your law. Okay. That's your first next step. Yeah. And I, I think it'll be amazing what'll happen if you, if you pray that. Yep. I've started doing this for all of my yeah. sermon prep for my time with God. God, open my eyes so I may see the wonderful things in your law. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you give him the second and one? The second one is just that, you know, when you're, you're reading something and there's some tension that comes, there's some tension that says, oh, I don't, I don't know about this. Go back to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 22. And it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Coming back, it's all about Jesus. Yep. And I love that part. When, when you're experiencing some of that, draw near to God. Yeah. Like so many of us, myself included, when we start to experience that tension or that disconnect or that suffering or that anxiety, whether we're reading the Bible or experiencing life, our natural response is to pull away. Right. I think it's, it's again, in Hebrews that talks about this concept of drifting away in your faith. Hebrews chapter 1 or 2 has that language. And I love this. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Yeah. And it's exactly what I talked about this weekend is when you're confronted with pride or anything in your life like that, tension, what have you, you either go towards God or you go away from God. Yep. And I think in this culture, it's so easy to, to run the other direction yep. instead of drawing near. Yep. Well, stuff. hey, friends, if there was anything that was said tonight or that you were wrestling with or struggling with tonight, reach out to us, ask a question, share your thoughts, share your ideas. We'd this, love to have a conversation yeah, about it. And, and this is one of those topics that we love talking about and, yep. and, and conversing with. And we've had some great conversations between staff and things like yep. that. So we'd love to draw you in. Even a good conversation tonight. And you <laughs> saw where there was a something that was said that, you know, needed clarified. Right. And Brad and Bruce both asked the questions like you know, help us understand what you mean. And then when you say true, like that's part of a great example where you're able to see, like let's handle conversations that way. Like, Ooh, you said something that kind of made my skin bristle a little bit. Can you explain that? Like, can we just, can we meet at a place of love and grace? Like guys, that's, that's what the Bible teaches and what it's all about is like, man, you're going to approach the text. Your approach to the text might be different than mine, but let's like have the same, like Bruce said, the same principle of love and mercy and understanding and whatnot. So, Hey, thank you so much for joining us. I have some exciting news. This is it. I have no idea what he's going to say. Halloween Thursday. Piper Cohen, (laughs) our children's pastor. Weighing in at one like <laughs> at six four, two hundred and twenty pounds. No, no that was all fun. fake. Piper Cohen, our children's pastor, will be live with us as a guest for our Halloween trivia game night. Oh, it's going to be lit like we're, a cupcake. We're going to rock her world. Oh, and it's going to be so much fun because <laughs> we're going to have costumes, a ton of candy, oh, we're gonna, prizes galore. We're going to make her eat candy. That, oh, my gosh. Yep, it's going to be a she blast. She doesn't need sugar. She doesn't need sugar. She said she was going to make us desserts. Really? Which I was okay with. Yeah, that's true, too. So, um, so hey, uh, thank you for joining us. We will see you next time. Can't wait. <laughs> see ya. <laughs>